Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. All right. Welcome to the Blue Turf, or at least I think that's what we're going to call it for the moment. If we change it later, we'll let you know. This is Thad Bell. I write for and photograph and do a lot of other things for thebluetestament.com. With me, I have Eric. Tell everybody about yourself, but like anybody doesn't already know you, Eric. Oh, there's a lot of people who don't know me, Thad. So my name is Eric Berger. I am about to start my fourth season as color commentator for the Kansas City Comets of the Major Arena Soccer League. I also announce uh, college soccer, primarily at Park University, where I've been the voice of Park Pirate Soccer since 2014. And my day job, I'm Chief Strategic Communications Officer here at Park. Yeah, and I, I think you, uh, I think you probably left out. You, you dabble in a lot of other color calling for different events too, don't you? Oh wow! So uh, next week I'll be announcing Christmas on the River in Parkville. Uh, I'll be doing another holiday event in Parkville and then other duties as a sign. And I had a, a great experience this past week and I was invited to announce two NAIA second round games in Columbia, Missouri. And, and that was a nice change of pace for me too. doing both public address and play by play simultaneously for both matches. Yeah, that's got to be a challenge. Um... All right, so we're recording uh, the week before the Comets opened up the the MASL season, and I know we neither one of us has a ton of time because we're going between many things, including World Cup games. So let's dive right in. Uh, 
I, I know you keep up on everything uh, probably better than I do, but uh, coming into the new season, the the MASL has uh, a new format to uh, Eastern and Western Conference. Uh, in the West, Chihuahua, Dallas, Empire, which used to be Ontario, right? Mesquite, yep. Monterey, San Diego, Tacoma. Uh, in the East, Baltimore, Florida, Harrisburg, Kansas City, Milwaukee, uh, the team across the state that kind of claims are St. Louis, even though they're not, and Utica City. So I just throw right. a little, I throw in a little shade at St. Louis for for fun, even though I'm from St. Louis originally. Uh, is there any other changes that you know of that you can talk about? Or sure, I think uh, fans are going to notice this uh, coming Saturday at, at Cable Dom Arena two very significant changes on the field. First, uh, video replay. So the league had experimented. Experiment is a interesting term. Let's just say that the league had it implemented for the playoffs the last two seasons. They're bringing it into the regular season. So we're going to see video replay all the way through in the 22-23 MASL season. The other thing I know we'll see in Kansas City, uh, I'm not so sure whether we'll see it in other markets, is the referees are going to be mic'd up. So just as you hear in other leagues, when uh, officials announce fouls, You'll hear it at Cable Dom Arena, which will be interesting too. Oh no, I'm I'm actually looking forward to that because there's been a lot of times I'm like, okay, what 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 were they actually calling? Because not that uh, I'm perfect, but sometimes I did not see what that referee call was. Let's just I'm, I'm trying to play it nice. Um, that's that's gonna be that's gonna that, I do think that'll be a, a big fan or a big uh, fan favorite. That's not the right way to say it, but I think fans will really appreciate that. I think they will too. And I think on, on uh, video replay. So we've already seen in the world cup questions about how VAR is implemented. And I would love to tell you that there's a clear parallel of circumstances in the indoor game as the outdoor game in terms of how and when it's going to be applied, but I can't. And so I was actually talking with a, uh, an MASL official in Columbia who will be there Saturday night. And they're still trying to figure out, some of the nuances of, of video review. None of these systems are perfect. You hear fans complaining in the NFL. One thing that the um, but here's the what we are: the fans have asked for it, the players have asked for it, the coaches have asked for it. They will not and, and have really to the referees have asked for uh, be well looking too, at you know sure whether there was a toe over a line to right. determine but an offside. So I mean, some of that has been so controversial in that you know there was a, a half half of a foot not a full like not a measuring thing just like you know three inches of a toes over the line past a defender or something so uh, that's at least that's off the table so now it's just like fouls elbows sure well so i my job in high school was uh i was one of those kids who was a linesman now you would call it an ar all the way through through high school and that's how i paid for my indoor soccer season tickets uh, when I was a high school senior, I'm a little bit old school where mistakes happen, trust the referees. And if we're getting into that much uh, discrepancy and whether a, a toe over uh, an electronic line is going to make the, the the difference, the fans ask for this. So the, the fans, uh, I, I've seen uh, lots of commentary on social media, but ultimately fans ask for this system and, and we'll see how fans respond to, to the video review uh, taking place in MASL this season. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I do think overall they'll like it, except that, you know, that 
just like any other human being activity, they will complain about it. So it's just the way it will be. Well, and they'll hear from me on, on broadcast because I have no qualms of pointing out hypocrisy uh, whenever it's presented to me, either during a, a game or, or before or after. No, that's and actually, that's I, I appreciate both uh, you and Nick and how you call games. That's a uh, you root for the home team, obviously, but you also try to keep it pretty honest and you'll say, yeah, that was a foul or that wasn't a foul. And so that's why I think you guys are the best announcers in in MASL at least. So, well, I appreciate that. That, that I, you know, Nick Vasso started doing this in 1996. So I never claimed to be a longtime announcer. I'm a longtime fan, has been soccer player, uh, but really passionate about about soccer and and uh, extremely passionate about the indoor game. And and we see ourselves in sort of an interesting position in this league in that there are really no home broadcasts from our perspective. The league uses broadcasts produced by each team to share with a national and, and now with teams in Mexico and international audience. So we understand we have fans, not only of both teams watching, but neutrals as well. And we try to call our game with that, those audiences in mind. Yeah. That's cool. And I think in a future episode, we'll uh, maybe pull Nick on and we'll do a dive into like, you know, what it takes to do a game. Maybe you'll learn a lot from them. I guarantee it. That's a, uh... I'm always I always love watching behind the scenes stuff or you know seeing how that works and uh, recently saw one from the NHL where somebody caught I they they put up the wrong thing on the feed and it, what the uh, broadcasters were seeing on the on their screens versus what you were seeing on your screen and it was really interesting because they had much more information on that screen than what we did so well I think what's a challenge for us uh, we take this very seriously our responsibility to share our perspectives, what we see, what we've studied with, with the fans. And, you know, sometimes things don't go the way we expect and uh, we have to do our best, but we intend to be, Nick and I intend to be fan friendly first. And we also understand that not every MASL fan has the same uh, years of understanding of the game. And so you're not going to hear a, what I would call a hyper-technical broadcast from us. You see that in in a lot of the uh, U.S. outdoor soccer commentary, what I would call hyper technical, and and assuming that all fans understand the nuances of a high press versus a low block, et cetera. That's not the way we we call our games. Cool. Um, moving on a little bit, because like I said, we will we'll we'll do at least one episode on how that how you guys do that in the future, but. Uh, comments have brought back a lot of the normal faces, but there are a few new ones. Uh, they've signed two goalies, uh, Steven Takeski and Sway Mazan. Um, again, mm -hmm. I'm terrible with pronunciations. And then uh, a field player, Chase Bromstead, who I've seen him play with. Well, I've seen him and Steven Takeski play with Sporting Casey Academy uh, quite a few times. They both went off to college and had really great college careers. Uh, Sway Mazan, he played with uh, St. Louis last year. I, I think uh, probably he 10 games. Orlando something. Too. Yep. And Orlando a couple years before that. So he's, he's got some indoor experience. So Neto's, I would say the clear number one in goal, uh, but without Lou around this year, because I think he's, he's retired for the moment. 
and I always say for the moment because you never know when people come back. But uh, so, but that's two pretty good keepers. Uh, Sway already knows the indoor game. Uh, Tekeski is a really good outdoor goalie who I've seen in practice, and he's he's made some clear rookie indoor guy mistakes in practice, but he's also made some really good saves. Uh, you know, any comments on those guys? So, um, first of all, Neto among the top goalkeepers in the league. What we're going to witness on Saturday is a contrast in styles. Both Brazilian goalkeepers, both good with their feet, but but Paulo back from his knee injury plays a different game, and we can talk about a rule change last year maybe coming into effect to benefit St. Louis this year. We can talk about that a little bit later. Tekeski. Goalkeeper coaches love him. They they wanted him signed, uh, both Alan Mayer and Kenny Mayer. And it's going to take him time to adapt, as you witnessed in practice, that. And so you have Sway in, who played. He was in the, the shuffle of rotating goalies. I guess you want to call it that for the ambush last year when, when Paulo went out. Paulo, top-class goalkeeper for the ambush. They made do with a collection of, of goalkeepers and and. Poyo Cortez, who really impressed me last year, lost, uh, went back to Mesquite, and he'll be the, the starting goalkeeper for Mesquite. And so for the for the Comets to grab Sway, I think that was a great pickup. And uh, the ambush, they're betting on Paulo being healthy again this year. Yeah, he's uh, sometimes annoying to be a fan of the other team, but he's a really good keeper. Absolutely. Uh, from Have you gotten to see a, any of uh, – play from chase yet i when i've went to practice i've not seen him at least uh, you know for the commons practice so so when i was there uh watching inter squad scrimmage he was on the bench it, in fact it was right before the comments officially announced his signing uh, really well thought of player going through the sporting uh, kc academy ranks and was a stud to quote brian budzinski who likes to use that term a lot was a stud at the university of tulsa had, had time um, with multiple teams here in Kansas City. And I, I think, again, to to, to channel Brian Budzinski, it usually takes players three years, three full years to fully adjust from the outdoor game to the indoor game. So whether you're talking about a goalkeeper or a field player, I wouldn't put too much pressure on them yet. And I think the system is in place for players to elevate their game and, and move forward. And uh, I, I think if you look at the Comets roster, Coach uh, Leo Gibson, uh, assistant coach Stefan Stokic, and Brian Budzinski, they feel like they have a nucleus of a of a strong team. And in some ways, this is an echo of that team in the 2010s that won a MISL championship. They believe that they have the nucleus of, of a team that can contend year in and year out. And that's why I think you didn't see them go deep into the free agent market like some other MISL teams did as well. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I watched both of those scrimmages or a good chunk of both of those scrimmages last week. And the first one was at a really high level. And I was walking out there like, ah, oh, they're, they're, they look like they're season ready. And then the second one, because uh, they played on Tuesday and I think Friday. And then that second one looked more like a midseason level one because they, they really ramped it up. Uh, I think they got some comments that they weren't going hard enough. And on Friday, they were uh, really going at it. It was it was a really high quality game. I mean that's that's what that's what you would want to see in a, in a regular season game. 
Uh, the first one, it was really close going into the fourth quarter, and then one team kind of ran away with it. So I think it was like 10-5 or 9-5 or something like that at the end. But the other one, uh, it went down to the wire where it was 5-4 in the fourth quarter. That's that's how it finished, and they were, you know, full six attacker. In both of those, they had refs, the, the, the clocks. They had everything going just like it was a real game. And, you know, the, it was just – it was really entertaining, but it just showed that they're really close at this point. So when Vlatko Andonovsky was the then the Missouri Comets head coach, he believed in a system where you brought players in a, a couple games or a couple days into the summer and you worked your way into in a preseason. And that's something that Leo Gibson has adopted in, in his role. And so I think uh, you'll see the Comets maybe being a step ahead of other teams in terms of how much time they practice. Some other teams have barely had a week or two, in some cases three. To, to gel as a unit and the comments were already there. That being said, there is no guarantee anytime the uh, comments go into the family arena and it seems in recent years it's been challenging for the for the comments to get a result there. Oh absolutely. Um, yeah, because like some of those players have done kick arounds from like August, I think it, it, they just have kick arounds have fun. they go they go scrimmage a little bit. Um, but then it just gets more ramped up more days a week and then just gets more and more serious. And so, yeah, some of those players have really been practicing together since August. Some of them have come in more recently, but that's also a lot of the, the more veteran ones too. So uh, speaking of this coming season and young players, do you see some uh, breakout players? I know there's, I, I, I'll tell you mine, but I want you to go to, I want you to go first. Well, let me, let me offer you with a caveat that, uh, not just for the comments, but across the league, visa issues once again look like they're they're going to surface. I think that if his visa issues get settled once and for all, Benji Montreal is poised to be a star player in this league, not just a rookie of the year, and he'd be eligible to be rookie of the year just because he got limited time. But I think you saw with what they call that worldy goal uh, that that he scored against Dallas in last year's. Uh, opening round uh, playoff match here at, at Cable Dahmer Arena. He's poised for stardom. And so it, it when he's on the field, Comets are a great team. I think the challenge for them, and they saw that in the playoffs, when he wasn't on the field, they're not quite in fourth gear the way they are uh, when, when he's there. And, and perhaps you could argue they're in fifth gear when he's there. So he would be my breakout young player. How about you, Thad? Oh, he's definitely there. And uh, just a clarifying moment about the the visas. They had his visa last year, but the league changed the type of visa at the league meetings uh, a month ago or whatever it was. And so that required them to go again to get a different visa. And I do believe that he will get it soon this season. It's just whether it's for the first games or by the the next, you know, by they'll have a couple weeks, a week break or something, I believe between the first two games before they start playing again. And so I, I, I'm pretty sure he'll have it by then, but we'll, when I say that, I know nothing about the legal immigration status. So uh, so what I would encourage uh, Comets fans, anybody listening, if you go to the MASL website, which is MASLsoccer.com, click on the individual team pages. And if you look at the roster, scroll down to see inactive players, you're probably seeing a combination of two things in the inactive list people who are legitimately hurt and St. Louis has that challenge right now and, and people with visa problems. And yep. St. Louis also has that challenge. Kansas city has some challenges too. And so 
you can get a, a, a sense of what to expect coming into opening weekend as the Comets travel to St. Charles on Friday and then back here on Saturday. And we're going to be keeping a close eye in the lead up to Saturday's night's match at Cable Dom Arena, whether any visa situations change for individual players. Yeah. But some of the, uh, I, I completely agree on Benji because, you know, he, he made such a good impact in the limited games last year. So, but the other two that I am looking at is uh, Junior Kazim and Lalo. Both of those so players. Let's talk about both. Let's talk about both of them. Junior, again, I'm not sure about his visa situation, and we'll see about that. So, another one of these, it seems like countless university players who who played college soccer in Missouri or Kansas, and uh, Kazim fits that mode. He was a uh, striker, a nine for um, Central Methodist University, an indoor. He's the type of guy in the box that just battles for the loose ball, and he has a nose for the net, as as they say. And and Lalo, in a different mode, this is somebody that Brian Budzinski told me about, was raving about last year, and Leo Gibson's high on him. Is somebody who played, grew up playing in the youth ranks in Missouri, and uh, they've identified him as a as a potential breakout player. I think what's going to be interesting, Thad, in an MASL season, you have a combination of injuries. You have a combination of sometimes back-to-back -back matches where you play on a Saturday and then a Sunday or a Friday and a Saturday, and, and a lot of players will will get time. And, and for Lalo, I think it's going to be a, an opportunity here for him to say, Coach Gibson, I dare you to to take me out of the lineup because I'm going to prove to you that I deserve a regular shift. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. Um with Lalo, he's he he looked really good in this the the first scrimmage. He wasn't in the second scrimmage, uh, but he I mean he looked just energetic and everywhere and controlling the ball well and doing all those things that he needed to do. Uh, Junior, one of the things I described him when I was talking to a friend was that he was just vicious in the box. Uh, I don't think vicious is probably the right term, but um, he was so strong and like any loose ball in there, he was getting to it. In between the boxes, I will say he needs to work on that game. Um, you know, if he had a breakaway, he was pretty good, but he was not combining well yet. And I talked to him after one of the practices, and he said, "Yep, that's a, I, I need to work on that, and I'm still learning where to run and all that stuff." But when I said something about him being vicious in the box, he kind of smiled, like, "Yeah." So, I I think that if you score a lot of goals, deficiencies in your game somehow get overlooked so there historically are goal scorers in the indoor game who maybe weren't the best two-way players yep. who scored so many goals that you can overlook do they actually come back on defend how do they do in transition and uh, time will tell junior came in really late in last season so he hasn't even had a full season uh, of experience and so in a way this is sort of his plus one rookie year and, and again, the, the Comets believe they have the nucleus of something special. And uh, I guess time will tell to see how this group gels and, and, and what chemistry they have as they try to make a, a deeper push into the playoffs this season. And all three of those players we mentioned, Junior, Lalo, and Benji, are all eligible for Rookie of the Year. So that might actually hurt them a little bit, having three guys who could all break out. Or, you know, maybe it's only two of them, but still – 
it's always that conflict of, you know, who, who gets those votes. Uh, all right. So like we mentioned, they had two scrimmages this, this last week, uh, really high level. And it's all in preparation for playing St. Louis this coming weekend. Uh, on Friday, they're in St. Louis. And then uh, Saturday, they come back to Kansas City. What I mean, we talked about we were going to talk about St. Louis a little bit more. What can you tell me about St. Louis and, you know, what their what their strengths are at this point? So St. Louis last year, I think it's it's safe to say had a couple different challenges, injury bug for sure. And and Paulo being one of, of several players who were either out a good part of the season or all the season. So they were constantly trying to regroup. They went through a coaching change last year and that created some challenges and ultimately they they wound up what is what's the expression righted the ship as they headed to the playoffs under under head coach Jeff Locker but they lose their top goal scorer Mo NDI to Empire free agent trade I'm not sure which way you call it but but he's gone and uh, somebody who always seems to have the Comets number JT Thomas out with a with an injury and so I, I think the question is where the goal is going to come from. And so let me let me offer you a couple options here. Tony Walls, Comets have played against him on multiple teams for years. He uh, scored the game winner last year. I was actually at the Family Arena last uh, last January, where Kansas City looked like they had the game won, and St. Louis battle back, battle back, and, and Tony Walls was there. You have. Uh, Otto Yahich, who just got some time with the U.S. futsal team, typical St. Louis guy, home homegrown kid, makes good plays pro there, and I expect to see him scoring more goals this year as well as uh, Robert Cristo, who was one of the greats in SLU soccer. But here's the wild card for you, Dad. Number nine, Kevin Ellis, and that name should ring a bell to a lot of Kansas City fans, not just from his time with the Comets, but but previously with Sporting Kansas City. How is he going to fit in with this team? What does that look like? I think it's going to be interesting to see how he makes his his stamp, not just this weekend in, in a back-to-back series, but for the season moving on. Kevin Ellis can play multiple positions. He's listed as a forward. I believe when the Comets first signed him, he might have been listed as a defender, but we saw him play like a utility player indoor. He can play defender, he can play midfielder, he can play forward. I I don't recall ever seeing him play six attacker, but I'm sure he could do it as well. Yep. Those are where the goals you would expect to see many of them coming from. I think that the challenge there is who who's going to be setting the identity of that of that team this year, and where I think they're going to need some some serious leadership is going to be all the way in the back. Fans either enjoy when I talk about goalkeeping or laugh when I talk about goalkeeping. But but Paulo, they changed the, the goalkeeper rule, the pass back rule last year that now allows goalkeepers to advance the ball over the midfield line in all four quarters. And we saw in previous years, Paulo in the fourth quarter would become like the sixth attacker for the ambush. What's to prevent him from playing almost a quasi-sixth attacker role for the ambush in all four quarters now. And, and we didn't get to see it last year because he was out all year. That, for me, is what I'm going to watch, not just this weekend, but throughout the year. To what extent does Paulo become that sixth option and 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 maybe scores more than just one or two goals this season? 
Oh, yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. And, and honestly, I've always loved that type of uh, play from uh, keepers. I mean, even going back to old MLS days, um, uh, Jorge Campos, you know, he'd drop the ball, run out of the box, go up, make the final pass, or maybe even take the shot. And that's an outdoor. Um, but we've seen that from indoor keepers before, especially in the fourth quarter. It, but it should be entertaining. Um, it's also dangerous because obviously, you know, you don't have a keeper back there all the time. Uh, a, a long shot could get in or you're slightly more likely to get run into the board somewhere. So it's a, it's a, it's a high risk, high reward type of uh, style. But, but I wouldn't see them doing it for all four quarters. It, it's situational. I think there's situations perhaps on corner kicks, perhaps on set pieces where it would make sense for Paulo to come up the field. And, and he's an accurate shooter. It's not like a goalkeeper who's just flailing out there. This is somebody who can legitimately score goals. And if I were coaching St. Louis, I would be trying to maximize the situations where he gets the ball on his feet in attacking area. Oh, absolutely. Uh, going back to Kevin Ellis for a second, the um, he has the potential to be one of the very top players in the league. We saw that with Kansas City, but injuries and um, I'll, I'll just say some other issues that – ended up taking him away from Kansas city. I don't know. I, I, I wonder, and I, I mean, I, I wish him well because he's been a, a good player for Kansas city in many in for a long time at different times. Uh, so I wish him well, but I just wonder how long he will be at a high level for St. Louis. I, and I'm not trying to speculate in any wrong way. So I, I try and be careful of how I say that. So it will definitely benefit St. Louis that he will be there for the opening weekend. I, I think I have all sorts of questions about this St. Louis team and, and not questions in a negative way, just questions who's going to step forward because they have several quality players. I haven't even mentioned William SK always impresses me. He's, he's gotten uh, received some time uh, with, with us futsal team as well. They have quality with Sam Guernsey, Jeff Michelle. It's just, what's going to bring this team together and and last year they had that big striker in a moment ndi and and you could just see the goals were going to come through him i think it's going to be interesting to see what does it look like in 22 23 and and will this be a team that comes together and maybe not one person leading the team in scoring but multiple players getting their share getting their chunks of goals and in some ways that's a more rewarding system where, where you don't have to rely on one person because what happens in this league when there's one target, they become targeted by the other defenders. And, and ultimately, you start seeing coaches target, defend those leading goal scorers. And, and we've seen it happen to Kansas City's goal scorers. We've seen it happen to, to players like, like Frank Tayo as well. And so perhaps St. Louis has an opportunity here to, to create a new team identity and see goals coming from across the lineup. Yeah, as as much as I don't want to root for the ambush, it's it's good for the league and for the Comets to have a, a good opponent over there, and having an entertaining style will actually help them bring in even more fans. Uh, coming back to the Comets for the, for the moment, though, with this being our first one in preseason conversation, who do you see is going to be the top goal scorer or two for the Comets? Well, if, I'm not a betting person, Thad. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll give 
predictions uh, as long as I don't have to put money on it. But uh, number 26 for me, I, I think, is who I would look to first. And so the comments this year to help the, the announcers had the players introduce themselves on audio. And so that way, Nick Vassos and I and hopefully other announcers can, can uh, practice. Number 26, we've been calling him Rion Marquez, but he goes by Marks, and nobody ever corrected this over the years. So let's call him Rion uh, for now. Target forward, big presence, can score with his back against the goal, can score out wide. I think that's who I would look for as the logical person, particularly since there have been changes in, in that front. We still don't know what number 14, whether there will be a number 14 on the field this year, and that may be a, a next episode conversation. But I, I'd say there's two other places where the goals are going to come from. In the midfield, you talked about three Rookie of the Year candidates this year, potentially for the comments. How about a previous Rookie of the Year in Lucas Sosa? Lucas Sosa, I think, has an opportunity to score a lot of goals, get a lot of assists this year. And, and uh, finally healthy, he was battling with, with injuries all last year. Big Mike, Mike Da Silva. I think if the Comets could have two pure big target players, that's going to create some mismatches. There's going to create some frustrations for other coaches to decide where do we put our top man marking defender? Do we do we put him on on 26? Do we put him on 18? If Da Silva can step up, that creates opportunities. I think as well for for Rion on that other ship. Yeah, I, I think again we we're in agreement on a lot of these. Although I might actually go with De Silva over Marks. Is it? Is it Marks? Yep. I'll have to start calling him calling him that. Um, I I did talk to De Silva in after a practice, and he did he kind of explained some of the the injury woes he had last year. But he said he was back feeling as good as he was the first year he's with the Comets during the the COVID year, uh, when he looked so good just you know, one of the, the top 10 players in the league kind of thing. Um, I, I thought he was great on that first year on special teams too. And I think that that's something that there's some intangibles that players bring is it's not just in the run of play, but who are you going to go to? It's kind of like the running line between Nick Bassos and me, who's going to be the hero. So who's going to be the hero on the penalty kill, lovingly called the rat patrol by longtime announcer Ed Bishop and who's going to be the hero on the power play because sometimes particularly when you start heading toward the playoffs it's do you defend when you need to defend and do you find a goal when you're when you're up a player who's going to be able to do that and and something De Silva has impressed me on is his uh, tenacity on special teams there are other players there Lucas Sosa being one of them somebody we haven't talked about at all yet who was killer on special teams last year was John Soso, who was yep. just tremendous on the power play. Everybody has a role on this team, Thad. Everybody needs to step up, and um, and we'll see. I think Monterey, if you want to put me on the spot, they would be my, my pick to win the Western Division. They have former Liga MX players on their roster. The question for them is, how quickly will that team gel in competition? Kansas City and Florida seem to be the top two teams in, in the East. And uh, this past season, Florida knocked out Kansas City in the playoffs. So Kansas City has a lot to play for as they head into 22-23. Yeah, and then uh, uh, talking about John Sosa, he's 
he's just the he's the the epitome of the wily veteran at this point, knowing when to do things, where to play the ball. You know, um, saw a couple of good goals from him and off of set pieces or off of restarts in uh, the those two scrimmages. He's just he's just knows the game so well at this point. Um, and and Leo, I I bet we see him on the field at some point this year, whether it's a lot or a little. Which I think it's going to be probably a lot less than we did last year because we have they have young players that are uh, that need to grow and he'll get those get those guys a chance uh, another guy that I, I'll say has impressed me at least at sometimes in practices is uh Felipe Abreu because he he came in got some injuries didn't you know lots of different things going on there but when he's healthy he looks really good um he you looked know, good he, when we saw him last year. Speaking of looking good, I can't say enough about the commitment to his game that James Togba has. And yes. so I, I, I need to go listen to, to archive matches last year. I don't know if I said something about him being a left-footed player, but he posted a video on Instagram that shows him with his left and his right. And and I know that that he can kick and shoot and defend and do everything. And so He's another one who could have a breakout year. Comets are, are, if the injuries don't affect them, they're stacked on defense this year too and uh, have several players, two-way players, not just Togba, but but Ray Lee. Ray Lee with that left foot, put him on that yellow line. Watch out. And and yet another player we haven't mentioned that really deserves mentioning is Lucia. Oh, we haven't even talked about him. And so the other thing that, that Tetsane brings is, I think to be fair, John Sosa would, would agree that he's not the fastest player in the MASL. And so if you compare him with somebody who can cover, that gives Sosa an opportunity to attack a little bit more from defense and not have to worry about rushing back if the Comets lose the ball. And so somebody who made a run for Rookie of the Year last year, Tetsane, uh, not only does he show that he can defend, but some of the goals he scored last year were superb. And I expect him to even step up his game a little bit more this season. And we only have a couple more minutes left before we have to to sign off. But uh, one more player I'm going to throw out there is uh, Milos Vucic. I, again, I'm probably saying it wrong. but Vucic. Uh, Go to YouTube, type in the name Milos Vucic and, and check out some of his goals. Just unbelievable. And uh, I, I think with him, he's another one of those players. We'll see when his visa situation stabilizes. If you watched his game last year, it, it's like you were mentioning earlier with, with Junior in terms of trying to figure out what's my place between the yellow line and the yellow line, trying to find positioning. We definitely know he can score. It's just being able to understand how the indoor game is different than the outdoor game, how to fit in on the transition, but his ability to to change a game, there, there's no doubt about it. And he's played at one of the highest levels in outdoor of probably anybody in the league. Champions um, league level. Yeah. And Again, in the scrimmages, I don't want to give away too much, but and because it was you know the comma split, but I saw him on some of the special teams, and I could see him breaking into those ranks at least at different parts this year. But just if as he learns that game, I think he will be extremely dangerous and uh, good for the comments. 
All right. So we have about a minute before we have to get to get off of here. So I just want to thank you for coming on with me. I hope that we can get this on a, a fairly regular basis going forward. Um, hopefully you enjoyed talking more comments. Oh, absolutely. I'm, uh, it's a cliche to say that you're excited about the upcoming season. I'm really upset, uh, excited about this season. I think there's a, a lot for Comets fans to look forward to. And uh, my only caveat is don't read too much in the opening weekend. I think it, it's going to take a few games for all teams in this league to figure out where they are. But come the end of the season and come the playoffs, I expect the Comets to be there. Cool. Yeah, me too. I, I, I expect them to make the playoffs for sure. All right. So thanks. thank you for joining. Thank everybody who listens. And we're out. <laughs>